The Florida Gators won back-to-back national championships in 2006 and 2007. But Andy, since then, no reigning national champion has made it past the Sweet 16 the next year. Sorry about you, UConn. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. We are your hosts. This is Andy Patton. I'm Isaac Shade. It's such a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for joining us to get your college basketball content every single day day this episode is brought to you by FanDuel make every moment more new customers join today and you'll get $150 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started Andy coming up today we've got another massive weekend preview show great stuff all weekend long and uh you know it's gonna take a while so buckle up folks because we got to get all up into it including more ap top 10 teams on the road at unranked opponents it just keeps happening uh but we got to keep talking about it because they keep losing until now uh, <laughs> but andy coming up first the florida gators in 2007 successfully defended their 06 national championship But since then, zero reigning national champions have made it further than the Sweet 16. So we want to talk about that and then ask the question, will UConn break that streak or are they going to fall prey to it as well? Andy, we could run through the whole list. I'm going to probably tweet this out at some point so folks can just go follow along with it. But let me just give kind of the, the nitty gritty aggregate of it. It's been 15 straight national champs from that. 08 Florida team through the present. And I think the the thing here is that there would be a temptation for us to say, well, of course this doesn't happen. Everyone leaves after a national championship, so they probably weren't any good the next year anyway. But Andy, that's not really true at all. Multiple of these follow-up teams have been really good. Let me give it to you this way. Nine of those 15 were four seeds or better. Five of the 15 were one or two seeds. And four of the 15 have been one seeds, including one number one overall. And even still, none of them have made it past the Sweet 16. Andy, what do you make of this? I think it maybe is an Al Horford jinx, because as long as Al Horford is still playing in the NBA, then apparently no team can win a repeat national championship (laughs) because of his Florida connections. I I suppose that might be the the answer we're we're hoping that Al Horford will retire. Maybe that's what UConn fans need to hang their hat on here. No, it's really interesting. And I'm curious, uh, like the, the fact that not only, I guess I'm not shocked that they haven't repeated as national champions, primarily right. because it's hard to win a national championship. It's just difficult. There's a lot of random chance, some luck that goes into it. Like it's not just, uh, you know, oh, the best team wins and this team should be the best team because they were the best team last year. Like it's obviously more complicated than that. But the fact that these teams haven't been in Elite Eights, that teams haven't gone back to the final four in back-to-back years. Like that to me is, is interesting. And, and could it be a, a scouting situation where the teams are more prepared for them now that they've seen, you know, the team go all the way to the championship there, you know, like UConn last year kind of flew under the radar a little bit. We knew they were a good team. They had a bumpy part in the middle of the year and they didn't come into that tournament with a lot of gas, like a lot of kind of enthusiasm behind them. And then they ripped through the tournament and blow everybody out. And now this year, they're getting all of the attention. They're getting every team's best shot, and they're still just destroying everybody they're playing because this team is incredibly good. And I do think that kind of leads to the next 
part of this that I'm curious about is in an era where we're not seeing as many one and dones, where student athletes can get compensated and are maybe more likely to stay in mm -hmm. college basketball for mm -hmm. longer, will that result in this trend getting bucked, whether it's teams actually being more likely to repeat or at least like, hey, we're going to have a dynasty where maybe we don't win back to back, but maybe we go to the final four in three out of the next four years. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe we're at least in the elite eight for multiple years in a row. Yeah. Maybe we win two out of the next five, but it's not consecutive. Maybe we do start seeing more consecutive. I don't know. But you look at, at UConn, I mean, they obviously did lose significant talent. Jordan Hawkins leaves, Adama Sonogo leaves, uh, but they brought in because of the transfer portal. I think that plays a role as well. Like, I can go leave whatever school I'm at and go play for the team that just won the championship. Like Cam Spencer goes there because they won a championship. He had a lot of options. He chose to go there because of that. Maybe he would have if they'd lost in the final four. I don't know, but it certainly seems like college basketball is set up in a way where more student athletes are staying in college. Yeah. They're also yeah. able to transfer more willy nilly. And those two things allow a situation where a school like UConn can potentially reload from whatever talent they do lose and you know, make another push. We'll see if it actually results in that. It's, you know, the, this era of transfer portal and NIL is obviously very new, but I yeah. do think there's a possibility that this starts to change, but yeah. it is shocking the lack of tournament success we have seen over the last 15 years. It's not entirely random. There is something to, I mean, like half, I mean, not half, but what, four or five, three of these teams have weren't even in the tournament. The next year, yep. four four of them were NIT teams, but that, that hasn't like a high rate. What's interesting though is that hasn't happened. Kind of to your point, that mm -hmm. hasn't happened since UConn in 2015. Every yep. one of them since then has been in the NCAA tournament uh, the next season. And and I'll when we say that, we're also talking about the Virginia team. Obviously, we're skipping ahead to 21 since there's no mm -hmm. tournament in 20. And and Andy, I think that's part of it. Is you know each of the past two years. Baylor from 21 to 22, they were a one seed in 22, mm -hmm. lost in the second round. Kansas yeah. was a one seed last year after their 22 championship, lost in the second round. But um, I, I think that says something that they were one seeds at least the very next year. It's just that that they didn't do it. Wow. Obviously, Baylor losing to North Carolina in the second round in 22, and then Kansas losing in the second round to Arkansas last year. But but Andy, just even mathematically, it seems like it, this would have happened at some point. I mean, when you look at it, you know, I said nine of the 15 were four seeds or better, meaning by definition, if the seeds hold, we should have had nine of these 15 in the sweet 16, but only three made it that far. By definition, one third of these, if the seeds hold again, should have been in the elite eight, but none of them have been because yeah. five of the 15 would it were one or two seeds. So Andy, it really is like uh, almost a statistical anomaly that somebody hasn't broken through and done this yeah um, it, it, i agree it doesn't necessarily feel like it's just oh it's a coincidence that they have like maybe it is it's a tiny sample size obviously but it is odd that they're not only not making the elite eight the final four not repeating but they're not even meeting the expectations based on their seed are they getting overseeded that's certainly a possibility a team Ooh. that is a defending champion might get, you know, a boost in a seed, like, um, you know, kind of like North Carolina being preseason number one when they right. really shouldn't have been last. Well, I mean, you yeah. know, media narratives play a huge role in terms of how teams are seeded and how they're perceived. And so it's possible that, I mean, UConn this year is a bad example because they will <laughs> undeniably deserve to be a one seed, but it's very possible that some of these teams who got 
a three seed or a four seed maybe deserve to be a five seed, in which case maybe they didn't miss, you know, maybe them not making the sweet 16. Isn't that surprising? I think that could be part of it, but regardless, it's still surprising that they have pretty significantly underperformed where you'd expect them to be based on that seed line. Well, and Andy, things are trending this year to where UConn looks like they will either be number one or number two overall, not just a one seed. We Mm -hmm. do have one example. One of these 15 teams um, was the number one overall seed. That was Villanova, one in 16. And then Mm -hmm. in 2017, they were the number one overall seed, lost in the second round to Wisconsin. So um, that, that is where UConn's at. So Andy, let's answer the question. Will UConn break the trend? Or will they be number 16 to not make it? I mean, nobody has won more than two games, Andy. I just can't wrap my head around that the next year. Will UConn be able to do it? It's really hard for me to imagine UConn not making the Sweet 16. I'm going to say, right. no, they're not going to win the championship. Because I, I, if I'm picking UConn to the field, I'm taking the field. Easily. But UConn is probably the most likely team in terms of the the overall talent that they have, the depth that they have, the ability to beat you multiple different ways. They have to be healthy. It's a huge, huge part of the storyline for them because they have had multiple players who have not been healthy at points this season. So if they're fully healthy going into the tournament, it's going to be hard to pick against them. But I, yeah, I would overall say they're probably going to be the 16th consecutive team to not win a championship after winning it the year before. Because look, we would have sat here this time last year and said, I don't see a world in which Kansas doesn't make it past mm-hmm. the Sweet 16. Right. Year before, we would have sat here and said, I don't see a world in which Baylor doesn't make it mm-hmm. further than the Sweet. So, you know, I, I'm going to ride with history here, and I'm mm-hmm. going to say in this moment, and clearly this is going to be a freezing cold take, that UConn becomes <laughs> number 16. And Andy, yeah. of course, this is going to lead us to the conversation of the biggest game of the weekend. Number four, Marquette travels to number one, UConn. This is 3 p.m. Saturday on Fox. This is our big daddy matchup, Andy. And I I know we need to be pretty quick on it here, but a a big thought from you or a big storyline for you in this one? Yeah, it's going to come down to the point guard play between Tyler Kolek and Tristan Newton. I think that's the biggest thing right there. Kolek has been really, really good as of late. He struggled a little bit earlier in the year, but he has put that well behind him. Meanwhile, Newton's been a little inconsistent. That's kind of always been a little bit of a part of the storyline with Newton, particularly just from his scoring perspective. He's still great at at getting rebounds, addition to the ball and all that stuff. But the scoring has been a bit you know, just a little inconsistent. If Kolek has the kind of game that he's been having lately, I think it's going to be really I don't want to say difficult for UConn to win there at home. They're the number one team in the country, but it's going to make things a lot more difficult for them. Shaka Smart has got a great offense. We'll see how that matches up against UConn defense. I think it's going to be an incredibly fun game, but I do think it's going to come down to the play of the PGs. Andy, here's what's pretty fun. UConn right now has the nation's longest winning streak at 13 Mm -hmm. games. Marquette is tied with Purdue for the sixth longest winning streak. So one of those is going to fall apart here Marquette has been after those losing three out of five man they have been on fire an eight game winning streak obviously since then Andy here's what's weird to me obviously we don't have a fan duel line for this game yet but when you look at the Ken Palm line for this game what would you guess it is oh like UConn by four seven Ooh, there's wow, no way that there's no way the fan duel line is going to be quite that big right no I don't think so I think it'll be like two and a half something like that yeah well, Isaac, we got four ranked teams who are going on the road to take on unranked opponents. It has been the storyline of the college basketball season. Will we see a clean sweep? Probably not. Which of those four teams might be in danger of losing? We're going to discuss all of that. But first, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, FanDuel. Folks, get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. 
because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all of your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. And speaking of UConn potentially setting a new trend, here are your final four odds right now at FanDuel. UConn and Purdue are your top favorites at plus 150. Houston right behind them at plus 210. Arizona at 240. Tennessee at 330. And Auburn coming off that huge win over South Carolina. They are at 340. If you want to get in on that action, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. FanDuel an official sportsbook partner of the NBA. All right, Isaac, we got a bunch of college basketball games to preview for this weekend. We got some ranked on ranked games we want to talk about, some ranked teams going on the road to take on ranked opponents. We're going to close out the show, talk about a handful of other games as well. So much to get to, but I want to start with two of the the two ranked on ranked games outside of Marquette and UConn, which we of course just covered there briefly. Uh, we got a big 12 matchup between Kansas and Oklahoma. That game is at four Eastern time on ESPN on Saturday. And then we got Kentucky still ranked 22nd in the AP poll. They're going on the road to take on 13 ranked Auburn who just had that big victory over South Carolina at home. That game is at six o'clock on ESPN. So back to back two ranked games there on ESPN. Uh, Isaac, any of those two games, which of those two games, I guess, stands out to you? Uh, and what are you kind of looking for in those two matches? I mean, goodness, they both really stand out to me, Andy. I mean, with so I'll just take them in the order you came with mm-hmm. them in, in chronological order for Saturday. Kansas, like coming off that loss at Texas Tech. Now they've got to go to Oklahoma. We still don't know fully, like, will Kevin McCuller be back? Mm-hmm. Will How will Dewan Harris's ankle be, man? Like the Jayhawks right now are fifth in the big 12 standings, if they want to make any, any movement towards having a hope of winning the big 12 regular season, it's got to be this game, but Oklahoma, look, that's not going to be some walkover game. Oklahoma should have a great opportunity in this game. Again, I know we don't have a line yet, um, but right now, um, Ken Palm has it Oklahoma winning this game by one Andy. And so I'm really, really curious to see um, what the Sooners can do at home in this one. Can can they hold up? And look, if Kansas loses this game, it will have been three of the last four and just just tough for that. But Andy, for for Kentucky, obviously they just got that win um, to to wind up – end that home losing streak that they Mm -hmm. had going. I guess it wouldn't be – I don't like calling a a losing streak a streak. (laughs) And anyways, skid, whatever. Auburn coming off that blitzing uh, of South Carolina that you were talking about by uh, about 40 points or so. 40 points. 40 40 Um, points. Not 50 points. 40 points. (laughs) (laughs) We had some comments. Um, Andy, if Auburn can get this one back-to-back wins over one opponent who should be ranked, both of whom that actually are, man, Mm -hmm. uh, just great stuff for Bruce Pearl's team. Who with this win, would they, I mean, they're really legitimately moving up into one seed consideration if they can do this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about both these games, uh, 100%. I think for Kansas, uh, the road woes have been very well documented. Obviously, that has been a huge storyline for them. Porter Moser's team, they're not really in the bubble conversation yet. They just climbed back in the top 25, so. but they, they could really use a big marquee victory here. They know that Kansas is susceptible to losses on the road. This is a big one for that club. And, and on the other side, yeah, I think you nailed it. Auburn has a chance to, to really cement themselves 
as not just like, hey, we're one of the better teams in the SEC. Like, no, we're one of the better teams in the country. And they were in that conversation. They fell out of that conversation after they kind of failed their first couple of really big marquee tests. Since then, they have looked really, really good. This is another huge opportunity. Can Kentucky look better defensively? Can they look improved in that area? They have really struggled on that side of the floor. Auburn can beat you with multiple different players. They play 10 deep. I think that's going to be really tough for Kentucky. I wouldn't be surprised to see Auburn win, and I wouldn't be shocked to see Auburn win decently big, Uh, and that's going to cause some real concern in Big Blue Nation. Meanwhile, it's going to be another really good storyline for Auburn to kind of push themselves back into that top eight, top six potential conversation, and like you said, maybe looking at a one seed as well. And, and weirdly, Andy, both of these two, both of these teams are still really looking for some quad one wins. They've both done great in quad two. Uh, mm-hmm. Auburn's seven and one, Kentucky's four and one, mm-hmm. but Auburn two and four in quad one, Kentucky two and five in quad one. So either yeah. team would be getting just their third quad one win. Andy, you mentioned there's all these ranked teams on the road. You know, we've been tracking lately specifically top 10 AP teams on the road at unranked opponents. It is now flipped after Tennessee and UConn both won on Wednesday night. There's actually a, the the AP top 10 on the road uh, at unranked now have a winning percentage above 50%. So a way to do what you're supposed to do Yay. finally. So Andy, <laughs> we've got two of those games this weekend. One Saturday, one on Sunday. The, the Saturday game is number nine, Duke at Florida State, two o'clock on ESPN. Um, and then the, the second game is on Sunday, Number two, Purdue at Ohio State. That's 1 p.m. on CBS. Andy, both of these games have some interesting intrigue. What do you make of them? Yeah, it'll be really – Ohio State has not been good this year, but they have talent on the roster. No, I, I should say not, and that's why they don't have a head coach. Right, and but I think that that could, could be a, a unique wrinkle to this game. Sometimes teams play well. When their coach is gone, if that's why they think that there was some some animosity, some challenges, I don't know the whole storyline there. But if if Ohio State players feel rejuvenated and feel motivated, feel some some extra feelings about their coach being gone, could that result in a potential trap game for Purdue? Purdue has their losses they have taken have been to better teams than Ohio State and on the road, but not the, not exactly the best teams in the Big Ten, let's put it that way. So it is possible if Ohio State can find ways to slow down Edie uh, or if the guards don't shoot well for Purdue, potentially for them to pull an upset. I'm not predicting it. I'm not saying go throw any money down on it. I'm just <laughs> saying that this is a story that has been told before. It has happened before. It is possible that this could be a trip-up game for Purdue if Ohio State's players are extra motivated. On the other side, right. of the keep, board, just keep an eye on it, folks. Keep yeah, an eye on exactly. it. Exactly. Just keep an eye on Can it. Can the Buckeyes rally the troops? We'll yeah. see. Yeah, and then on the other side, Duke at Florida State. Florida State has been hasn't been great this year. They've had their moments, but uh, it's not a fun place to play. And Duke has been susceptible to some of those losses as well. I, I'm I'm projecting Duke's probably going to take care of that one, but it wouldn't be stunning to me if they if it's at least a very very close one. And the Knolls uh, make make it an interesting one. Yeah, that that's interesting. And then just a weird scheduling quirk. Duke has to go back down to Florida on Wednesday, where they play Miami. I'm assuming. I mean, there's five. That's you know, a couple days in between Saturday mm-hmm. to went three days in between. So I'm assuming they go back to Durham, but it's just weird to go back and forth that much. Yeah. Um, so, so that'll be interesting. 
Yeah, we've got two more two more ranked teams going on the road. They're not top 10 teams, but they are still some interesting games here. We got Creighton number 17 at Butler. That game is at 12:30 on Saturday on Fox. And then we got Florida Atlantic at South Florida. That one's at noon on Sunday on ESPN. Two really interesting games here. Butler obviously in that bubble conversation, they could really use a victory over Creighton to defend their home court to push themselves further in that bubble conversation. Meanwhile, Creighton kind of just holding on to being in the top three, top four of the standings in the Big East. So they definitely want to go pick this one up. Meanwhile, Florida Atlantic at South Florida. This is a big game. Yeah, it is. The AAC. And it is not the matchup we thought was going to be the big game in the AAC. The kind of the storyline was, oh, it's going to be FAU or Memphis. There's no guarantee that Florida Atlantic is going to walk through the AAC. And we were right. There is no guarantee that FAU is going to run through the AAC. But it's not because of Memphis. It's because of South Florida. This team has been phenomenal. They are 11 and 1 in the regular season. If FAU loses to South Florida, they would be two games back in the American Athletic Conference. Huge shout out to the Bulls for the job that they have done. This is a game that I don't think a ton of people will look at super closely on the calendar, but I think this is going to be a really fun one at noon on Sunday on ESPN. All right, Andy, great stuff. Now, Texas, hook them. Heading east, leaving Austin. They're going towards the Gulf to take on Houston, looking to even the score after a narrow loss the last time out. Andy, we got that and several other bubble games to preview. Right after I tell you that this episode is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Andy, we're just about a month away from college basketball conference tournaments, and maybe you don't have tickets but you're pretty sure that your team is going to go on a bonkers run. Game time would be the perfect place to get last minute tickets. So you don't miss out on any of that excitement. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports plus music, comedy, theater events near you. They've got killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat and a best price guarantee. With that game time is the only ticketing app that gives you the complete peace of mind with your purchase. I love this little thing they have. It's called zone deals. Andy, how about this? You pick the section, game time picks out the seats, and you get big time savings when you do so. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time, where you can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. So download download the game time app, create an account, and use code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's $20 off your first purchase at game time with code locked on. Terms apply. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Andy, it's become a thing lately. Last week, we unfortunately didn't hit on it, but the two weeks before that, we both did our jinx of the week. What's fun is we're going to have to talk about this before the game happens, but as you're listening or watching this on Friday, you already know. So this week, our jinx of the week, Colorado is guaranteed to get a victory on the road at UCLA on Thursday night. All right, find us and tell us, especially if we get it wrong. Andy, we've got three other top 10 teams at home this weekend. We just I just mentioned Texas going to number three, Houston. That's one o'clock Saturday on CBS. We've also got Virginia Tech coming to number seven, North Carolina. That's two o'clock on Saturday on ACC Network. And then we go back to the Big 12 later in uh, actually earlier Saturday, excuse me, Texas Tech visiting Ames, Iowa, number 10, Iowa State on ESPN plus Big 12 Network, whatever you want to call it. Andy, we've got two Big 12 games there, three of them Texas schools and North Carolina seeing if they can get this win-loss, win-loss flip-flop back and forth to stay on schedule. What do you make of these three games? Yeah, a lot of fun games here as well. I'm really, really excited about Texas going on the road to take on Houston. 
this matchup was really close the last time these two teams played, obviously, uh, in at Texas for that one. Uh, Houston has been playing absolutely great as of late, but the Big 12 is a gauntlet. It is never ending the amount of games, the amount of challenging games that you have. I'm really curious to see if Kelvin Sampson's team can continue to pick up those victories, can continue to rack them up. You don't really get those breathers that you get in the AAC. So this will be one of those other big tests for them. Dylan DeSue, when Texas plays well, it's often because of Dylan DeSue and the excellence that he has been at that kind of four or five position for them. Uh, Houston, obviously a phenomenal defensive team, but if DeSue can cause matchup problems uh, for the Cougars, I think that could make things a lot more challenging for Samson's team. Meanwhile, the battle in the backcourt, Max Ace, Miss Jamal Shedd, really going to be some fun stuff there. That's the game out of these that I like the most. I like North Carolina's chances of beating Virginia Tech here, but they have been struggling technically. If they keep up the win-loss, win-loss, this would be a win for them. So we'll see if the Tar Heels can take care of business there. Uh, Texas Tech at Iowa State, another one of those Big 12 matchups. Like we said, there's there's nothing easy in that conference, and this is going to be another big one. Yeah, Houston yet to lose at home this year. All three of their losses are on the road at Iowa State, TCU, and Kansas. As for Texas Tech, Andy, you you know, we know they're coming off that big home win over Kansas earlier in the week. But prior to that, they had beaten UCF. But just before that, they had lost four of six. So really looking to keep things going. And man, I tell you, if they could pick up a win at Iowa State, they will clearly be back in the rankings next week. And then after that, Andy, they get a little bit of a breather. TCU at home and then at UCF. Um, and, And even after that, they host Texas at West Virginia, at Oklahoma State, and then Baylor at home to wrap up. So Andy, legitimately, if Texas Tech could get this win at Iowa State, they could rip off a bunch in a row there before before the regular uh, season finale hosting Baylor. Andy, we've two other top 25 or two other teams in the top 25 in action we haven't touched on. A&M at Alabama, that is noon Saturday on ESPN, and Wake Forest at 21 Virginia. Both of these games are interesting to me, and here's why. Texas A&M had that ridiculous stomp down of Tennessee last weekend, but then they had some Tennessee trouble by losing one at Vandy by losing by one, excuse me, at Vandy on a buzzer beater midweek. Really curious to see how they can follow up on the road in Tuscaloosa. That'll be interesting. And then Wake Forest, similar kind of thing. They had a great opportunity to help their bubble chances by winning at Cameron this week. They weren't able to do it earlier in the week, but now they get to follow that up by trying to go win at Virginia, where Virginia is just coming off a loss to Pitt at home. What? Earlier in the week, Andy. So some really interesting intrigue in both of these as well. Yep, 100%. And it's funny because they kind of lead into the last part of the conversation here, which is bubble games, because both Texas A&M and Wake Forest are teams that if they pick up these games, that puts them in a much better position uh, in terms of getting in that large bit of the NCAA tournament. But if they do not... They continue to struggle. They can, you know, miss opportunity for Wake if they miss this one and Duke. AM, same thing. You lose that that gross game to Vanderbilt and you can't turn around and beat Alabama. Like that puts those teams in a tough spot. And, and that's far, far from the only bubble games that we're going to have uh, on Saturday, on Sunday, on Friday of this weekend. Frankly, there's yeah, a whole bunch yeah. of fantastic games starting on Friday, New Mexico at San Diego State. Technically not in a ranked-on-ranked game, although I believe we have uh, one of those two teams in our top 25, uh, if not very, very close, uh, 10 p.m. on Friday night on FS1 for that game. Uh, that's going to be a, another really fun Mountain West matchup 
uh, as we've seen so many of those those games end up being bubble games just because both those teams are fantastic or, or every team in that conference really has been fantastic but a couple other bubble games that I want to just kind of rattle off real quickly here and then Isaac you can kind of take whichever <laughs> of those games you want to talk about we got TCU at Kansas State at noon on Saturday on ESPNU of course another big game in the Big 12 another Mountain West one as well Utah State at Colorado State at 5 30 Eastern time on Saturday on CBS Sports Network uh, North Carolina State at Clemson. This one is a 7.45 Eastern time tip on the CW network. Very odd timing for that game there. Uh, and then Michigan State at Michigan, moving over to the Big Ten. Uh, obviously a rivalry game of sorts. Michigan has not been good, but Michigan State cannot afford to lose this game with the way that their season has gone. Uh, sticking in the Big Ten, Northwestern at Indiana, 3 p.m. on Sunday on FS1. Seton Hall at St. John's, 5 p.m. Sunday on FS1, and then 7 p.m. Sunday on FS1, back to back to back. It is a bubbly day on FS1 on Sunday. You got Utah at UCLA. Isaac, what stands out to you about these games? What are the ones that are most intriguing to you, maybe from a bubble perspective or just from a college basketball perspective? Um, I'll I'll mention two. Michigan State at Michigan for me. The last time Michigan was at home, Andy, do you remember what happened? I don't. They beat Wisconsin. Oh, right. Yes. They've been on the road since then, lost Mm -hmm. at Nebraska, lost at Illinois. But at home, last time, they beat Wisconsin. And now they've got a rival coming in, Andy. And it's a situation where in a rivalry game, you know, the cliche, throw out the record Mm -hmm. books, anything can happen. But it legitimately is true here. We've seen some up and down from the Spartans, but uh, they've won four out of five and what, like seven out of nine. So Izzo's crew, as you expect, kind of coming into their own here. Um, you, But in order to solidify their bubble hopes, cannot, as you said, absolutely cannot lay an egg here. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be tuned in on that one. The other one is Colorado state needs yeah. a win over Utah state because um, of the, you know, a lot of people have been saying six big mountain, six bid mountain West Colorado mm-hmm. state's kind of fallen down um, the, the mountain West hierarchy standings uh, a little bit. And I, I really think like you, at just some point you can't keep piling up losses. There's seven and five in the mountain West currently sitting sixth place behind all these teams. Meanwhile, Utah state is at the top of the ledger, big home opportunity for the Rams. The one that I want to talk about here before we get out of it today is uh, this Seton Hall at St. John's game. Seton, or excuse me, St. John's has only won two of their last nine games. It's been a real struggle for them in conference play for Rick Pitino's team. And they need to pick this one up in a big way if they want to even kind of get back into the bubble conversation. I was going to say stay, but frankly, they're not really in it right now with the struggles they've had in conference play. Meanwhile, Seton Hall just obliterated Xavier. Uh, just a couple of days ago. And that was a huge, huge win uh, for that, for the Pirates, for Shaheen Holloway's team. They've continued to establish themselves as one of the top four teams in the Big East. They want to stay in that conversation. you got to go pick up road victories for Patino. They need this one. They need this one in a major way or else they're going to kind of put themselves in a position where they no longer have the opportunity to climb back into that bubble conversation. So Big East games are always a blast. And I think this one's going to be a really, really physical, intense uh, battle and and a matchup that I'm really excited about just from a college basketball perspective, but it also has some pretty significant bubble implications as well. Isaac, 
what an incredible weekend of college basketball games that we got. It feels like we're saying that every weekend because it feels like that's the truth every single, single weekend, especially now as we get closer to March and more into that bubble conversation. Every game feels like it just has a lot of heat to it. We're going to be so excited to come back with y'all on Monday to recap what happened this weekend and get you ready for what will be another fun weekend of games after that. That is going to wrap it up for us today, though, here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. I want to thank all of you for making the show your first listen or your first watch of the day. Remind you to join us on our Discord channel. It is free. There is a link in your show notes on audio and video platforms. You can come hang out with us throughout the weekend where we'll be watching and talking about these games. Until next week, though, apologies to the lawyer family. Let's go Wildcats and peace out.